This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. This is the next message in our series in the book of 2 Corinthians, entitled, We Faint Not. We're going to start by having the, the whole family, if you can bring them up, Josh. Just bring your whole family up here right quick so everybody can just gander at y'all. And uh, you can do all the talking. Well, you don't have to get anybody out of the nursery, believe me. We like nurseries. Praise Jesus for nurseries. Uh, you can just mention that somebody's lost in the nursery. And this is Josh and Elizabeth, and he'll introduce the family one more time to you and give a word of testimony on their behalf. Well, it is great to be here, always is. We love vision, and uh, we love each one of you and, and what you represent, the stories we get to hear. It's always great to, as we get to know people, one of the most wonderful things is get to hear how God's worked in your life. And it's just uh, different stories we look out and we're reminded to get to hear your testimonies. And it's just great to be with people that just know Jesus and uh, know his power. And uh, we still get to know his power, don't we? And it's great to see how visitors are welcome and uh, see new faces. And uh, we're excited uh, to have you all behind us. And we're really humbled uh, that you would uh, send us. But we know that that's a great responsibility on your part. You don't take it lightly. And uh, we appreciate you being behind us. But um, Elizabeth here... Uh, she appreciates everything as well. Hannah and Joseph and Olivia, they love it. Even even Olivia, when she comes on to the church, uh, she gets excited. And she knows where she's at. She knows she's home. She runs around and like she owns the place. But uh, we, as a family, uh, we appreciate it. You know, each one of us have things that you know we love about the church and things we enjoy here. But as a family, uh, it's great to be able to come here and know we're welcomed. And I know you guys love us and you're praying for us. And... Uh, and it really means a lot to us. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for how you've helped us. And uh, also, as you continue to pray for us, uh, the next few days, uh, we leave December the 5th. That's a week from Wednesday. We leave at 2.40 afternoon. So we're excited and a little nervous. Um, I usually have a tendency not to rest until I'm on the plane with the seatbelt buckled. So until then, uh, you know, we're, we're running. But uh, isn't God good to how he's worked in our lives? And we just praise him for what he's doing. Praise him for what he's going to do. Thank you so much. How about a round of applause for our missionaries? And I hope you will be praying for them. Uh, it is true. You don't rest until you get on the airplane and, and tighten up your seatbelt. We were riding down. We were flying to Lima one time, though. And Betty looked over at me and she said, are all the children's passports up to date? And I said, of course. That's a dumb question. Just let me look. I got them out, and uh, mine and Betty's, we had 10 years. Of course, kids only get five, and I looked, and all four of our children's passports were out of date. So I had the most miserable flight. I kept thinking, now, what will they do? Will they put us back on an airplane and fly us all the way back to the States? Will they reject us or what? And I prayed like I never prayed before. I promise you, Brother Jeff, TBN had nothing on me that night. I was naming it. I was claiming it. And every other word you come up with, I was pulling it. And when we got there, the guy took our, my passport, stamped it, took Betty's passport, stamped it. And when he grabbed the kids, he laid his finger over the date every time. And we got all four of them through there. And we were at the American Embassy the next morning as soon as it opened his doors. And uh, I don't usually relax until I am through customs anyway. They always scare me to death. I'm afraid they're going to charge me money. And I'm tightwad. But uh, so anyway, you pray for me. It's a little bit of, uh, more of a deal to you than, than you may think it is to go overseas. Uh, the, the, the Ewings, their, their parents, grandparents will be living in Indonesia. 
all the way on the other side of the world. They'll, they'll be living in Chile. Uh, Elizabeth's family will be living in the States. Some of Josh's family lives in the States. Saying goodbye to family is a big deal. Uh, you may not know this, but Pastor Ronald Tobias's brother is dying right now. And he's younger than Ronald, if I remember right. He's younger than Ronald, and Ronald can't go to Peru to be with his family. And you might say that the hardship of being a missionary would be uh, leaving the United States. Well, Ronald lives in the United States, but it breaks his heart. He can't be there for his family. And so the family, uh, the cross that falls over the family is probably the toughest of all. You pray for Ronald. His brother's in a coma. Uh, He's lived a wicked life of sin. Two of Ronald's preacher friends, uh, two of the guys that, of course, I know very well, went to see Ronald's brother and tried to witness to him. And he said, I was born a Catholic. I'll die a Catholic. I do not want to hear your message. And so you pray for, pray for uh, Ronald. Pray for Josh and Elizabeth. That's what they're stepping into. They're going back to language school, though Josh grew up and knows how to speak Indonesian very well. Elizabeth learned Indonesian. They're going to be learning Spanish. And there's a whole lot going to be going on. So I hope you will pray tonight, tonight to bless them. And to tell them that we love them and we honor them. And let me explain to you before we go into the, uh, the, the, the messages what's going on. I love things I read in the Bible. And there's no biblical precedent for what we do here at our church on this except uh, something I like. And that, in the Old Testament, it was a common practice for the dad to bless his children. And a lot of times he blessed them when he was dying. He blessed them when they were leaving. Uh, and he would uh, call his family in and lay his hands on them and... And pray God's blessings over them. And it was a very special time. It was a very solemn time. When Jacob's dying, he calls all 12 sons in and basically gives a prophecy about them. So they're, they're leaving and there's separation and there's a time of blessing them. And as a missionary, when I was a missionary, I found out that almost every church, when you leave, you're pretty well forgotten. And uh, nobody knows where you are. Nobody knows what you're doing. At my home church, I, I, I showed up and, uh, I mean, I sent probably... Uh, 10 letters saying I was coming and when I showed up they were like oh didn't know you were coming back I was like okay and uh, one of my best friends a guy you know extremely well pastor the church and when I called him after I got back he said well when are you coming back I said oh been back for a couple of months now and uh, oh I keep up with everything it wasn't in your prayer letter I said oh yeah it was and uh, uh, and so it's a it's a different thing. And I, I didn't want that to ever be the story of Vision Baptist Church. We were started with world evangelism at our heart because that's the heart of Jesus. And so tonight we're going to bless them. We're going to preach to them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to give some testimonies to them. Uh, you may not be on the list to give testimonies, but you're welcome to. We just want to thank God for giving us good families. Now, the messages will be for you, too. But uh, some of our people that God gave us as members of our church are fixing to leave and go to Chile as missionaries. Church has already given them an offering. There will be some gifts that we give them tonight, and we just want to love them. So would you love on them with us for the next few minutes? We're going to start with Brother Ronald to be, uh, Brother Ronald, Brother Ronald, Brother Robert Ronald to be, yes. Would you come, Brother Robert? You look like him, and you lead us, you preach the first message, please. You can, guys can have a seat. Right after that, Brother Trent will come. I'll bring Bibles, for favor. I'm just joking. Uh, Josh, I counted a, a great privilege to get to know you these past couple of years. Um, we've had a couple conversations up there in that Spanish church, and uh, I've got to work alongside you. I think I helped you twice, moving twice. And so I counted a real privilege to get to know you and know your heart and your servant's heart. And I'm really excited that you get to work in Chile. 
seems like a place that it's God's usually, that God is working through greatly. And I know he'll use you guys, Josh and Elizabeth, and I pray that he continues to use you down there. And I can't wait till you guys come back and give us your reports, because I'll be real excited to hear that. Um, pastor asked me to, to speak on, give you a, a blessing service, or give you a sermon on blessing, uh, for this blessing service, and I just didn't know really what to say. So I just, I just wanted to show you something that what God has showed me recently as we go through uh, different things in our lives. And I hope it helps you guys out as much as it helped me. Um, if you would take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I just want to say something just to everyone, because it is a thing, is that we will go through troubles and trials in our lives. Josh, this is, this is inevitable. As long as you're alive, you're going to have problems and trials. Um, I know this is no news to you guys right now, as you guys just packed everything you belonged in a 20-foot box and sent it away, and you're probably looking for your mascara, your makeup, or whatever. Not you, Josh. I hope not. And right now, you're going through this, 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 this trial or whatever with your visas, and you probably have a whole bunch more, but I just want you to, to read this. We'll read these couple verses real quick, and I want you to see something what the Paul, Apostle Paul said and what he viewed problems and trials. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible says, And lest I should, I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, this is what God said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore... Will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? The first thing I want you to see is that you're going to have problems. You're not above problems. We all aren't above problems. We're not too big. We're not too small to have problems. Here's the Apostle Paul, an apostle who, who actually spent time with Christ. He had problems. A widow woman that made coats, she had problems. It's going to happen to all of us. And can I remind you that Paul said that he had a thorn in his flesh. It was no, no, nothing easy. But with these problems, always come blame. When we have problems in our life, I don't know about you, but I always, always resort back to blame, playing the blame game. God, why did you do this? God, my car got a flat the other day. Why didn't you wait until I got to the, uh, to the, the, the parking lot? Or why didn't you let those two lug nuts be the same as the other three? You know, has anyone else felt that? I did that a couple weeks ago. Oh, God, why did you let me lose my keys? You knew I was going to lose my keys. Why don't you remind me to put them back in the thing? It's God's fault. Or, God, I can't learn this language. Why would you put me in this country where I can't learn this language? You see, the, the problem that Paul was facing here, this thorn in the flesh, was a health problem. But I want you to remind you, he doesn't charge God with his fault. In the verse, in verse 7, he says, The thorn in the, my flesh was given, and there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. You see, Paul realized it wasn't God that gave him that, 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 that problem. Why was that? Well, maybe because Paul believed that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. Maybe it was, it was that Paul really believed that when he wrote it down in Romans that he believed that, that God spared, he didn't spare of it, God, that God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And therefore he'd give us all things freely. Maybe he really believed that there was a God that loved him. Josh, everyone in this church, you're going to face problems. So what do you do? You don't blame God. He's good. He's good. But what does Paul do when he faces these problems? Well, verse 8 answers that. In verse 8, he says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Paul begs God three times to let this thing come away from him. Josh, there are some times in your life that you're just going to have to get 
on your knees and go to the Lord and ask him for help. There are things that this church can't fix. There are things that this pastor can't fix. There are things that these missionaries that you're going to go to in Chile, they can't fix. There's things that even your family can't fix. But there's one person, there's one God that loves and cares and can fix all things. And you have to go to him sometimes. But Paul just doesn't end it there. He just doesn't end it with the, with the begging. But notice what his response, or notice God's response to him. And this is, the, this is the point of it all. God says in verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for me, for thee. There's the secret. God is enough. God is enough for every need that you have. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through problems. You're going to go through, through difficulties. You're going to go through learning a different language. You're going to go through having to fight with other missionaries. You're going to have to go through, and I know that sounds bad, but it's, 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 it, we're people. We're going to go through different th- trials and, and troubles in our life, and you're just going to have to realize, and you're going to have to re- rest on that God is enough. He is sufficient. I want you guys to remember the story that Josh, Josh and Elizabeth, I don't know if you guys were here when Tyler and Gretchen were back, but I don't know if you remember when Gretchen told the story. She was asked the question, Gretchen, how did you get through it? How did you get through it when she found out that Tyler was put in prison? And when she was asked this, all she could say was, God was real. And he gave her unspeakable peace. In times when you feel like quitting, in times when, when everything's against you and you feel like you can't breathe and you feel like there's no reason to move on, that's when you need to go to God the most and rely on him the most. Josh, Elizabeth, and church, if you have pro- problems that you're facing, or when you have those problems, that's better said, when you get those problems, realize that God's grace is enough. He is enough. I know that's simple and that sounds so simplistic, but it's just something that we, we forget so much. And we need to glory in the weakness Because when we are weak, he is strong. And that's where we want to be. We want to be used. And we don't want to go through the trials. But those trials show his power and his strength. And every time we go through those trials, he gets us through them every time. And Josh, you're going to the mission field. And unlike many people think around here, maybe not around here, but some other people might think, it's no luxury, it's no cruise. It's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult, there's going to be trials, there's going to be problems. But realize God is enough, and he is sufficient for your needs, and he'll take care of you. Josh, Elizabeth, I love you. I'll be praying for you daily. And I hope you guys realize that no matter what you go through, he will be right by your side. He will never let you down. He loves you more than you ever imagined. And just trust in him. Thank you. Amen. Would you uh, please turn the first John chapter number... Three, and I say um, amen to what Brother Robert just said, and what a what a wonderful challenge. And I pray that you'll listen to that again as you're there in Chile, and that we know that in Chile uh, you'll face problems, but you'll you'll see things that you've never seen before. But you also get to see uh, your God, and that's what's the most wonderful things in our problems in life is that in those we still get to see our wonderful God. And um, th- today is a historic moment. Some years ago, with a bunch of missionaries, we um, decided that we didn't want to just read history anymore, but we wanted to make history. And um, I never 
desire to be famous in this world, but I know on nights like this that this is the part that I get to play in history. And the fact that I would make the minutes of a service like this for a missionary family like that is one of the greatest honors of my entire life to be associated with people uh, that would risk their lives for the cause of Jesus and to give everything to them. And I count it a real honor just to be here tonight. And this warehouse had no idea what they were getting when we moved in here and all the things that this wall would see. And we had no idea what God would allow us to see. And I count it a real honor. It's historic tonight. I embarrassed myself a little bit, but I'll put it in terms that I tried to put it to my son. That his buddy Joseph has been commissioned by our King Jesus. And he is a knight. And there's no dragons in Chile for him to go and kill. But there's a mission. And his buddy's going to go down there and do a work. And my buddy and my friend's going to go down there and do a work as well. And we get to serve the king. And that's the family business that we all work in here. And can I tell you that if it wasn't, if we didn't believe this was real, that I would not psychologically put my kid in a place where his friends leave all the time. And I would not want you to go. And some of you may decide that someday that it's not worth it to have your kids around a place that their friends leave all the time. But it's well worth it because they're little knights going out on a mission. And King Jesus sends them on journeys. And he's going to do wonderful things. I want to read something. I just have a few minutes, but I think it would be well worth reading to you uh, what was um, said by a man named Leonard Woods when um, at the um, tabernacle in Salem in February 6th and 1812, five missionaries were sent out of America. And this is a historic moment, and as a church, even though we see it a lot of times, it doesn't change how amazing that it is. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that the powers of the air learn the manifold wisdom of God by looking down on the church. The world doesn't understand why we're sending people. Uh, why would you go and do that? I think that's great. You're going to Chile, but I would never do anything like that. Is the things that people say that they don't understand what you're doing. But we're not a church like that. So at the ordination of um, Adnan and Judson, the send-off they were having for them that uh, day, they spoke of David Brainerd. And now, um, at your send-off, I speak of Adoniram Judson, and I firmly believe that someday, at the send-off of another missionary, they'll speak of Josh and Elizabeth Ewing, and that God has wonderful things for you. This is what he said, I trust these feelings are yours. You have devoted your lives to the work of making known among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We know you do not leave your native land because you... You have not the fairest proposition of reputation, usefulness, and comfort here. You go, we believe, because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. We finally look upon you as chosen vessels unto Christ, the bearer's name before the Gentiles. Blessed be the Lord God of the Gentiles, that he hath put this design into your hearts. The cause in which you have enlisted is the cause of divine love. You have chosen the noblest, the most honorable work um, on earth, more honorable than the laurels of conquerors or the diadems of kings, but is also Artius and perilous. Who is sufficient to do the work of an apostle to the heathen? When you have seriously contemplated the greatness of this work, you have often cried out, Lord, if thy presence go not with us, carry us not hence. I hope you will never forget that without Christ you can do nothing. Without the help of Christ, you can no more advance the kingdom among the idolaters than you can scatter midnight darkness by a word. He that planteth is nothing, and he that watereth is nothing. The increase is holy of God. Without his assistance, you not only fail of success, but of fidelity and perseverance. If you should be forsaken of God, what would your conduct be? What would become of your mission? The precious name of Jesus would be blasphemed among the pagans. Your light would go out in the darkness. Shame and blushing would cover the faces of your patrons and friends, and their hearts would die within them. The celestial flame which has been kindled up among you, how would it be extinguished? My dear friends, I would not distress you, but you know that this would be the dreadful result of your mission. If the special help of God should not be granted you, but if you go 
forth in the strength of Christ, you will be burning in a shining light in the regions of darkness and death. We hope to hear good tidings of great joy from the east. Your personal exhortations can indeed go but a little way, but be not discouraged on this account. Think how it will be in Asia, or in your case Chile, or two hence, the kingdom of Christ, which you are sent to promote toward the rising of the sun, will be like a little leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. It will be like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs, and sheweth forth great branches, so that the thousands of the air may lodge in the shadow of it. In some chosen regions, the Lord enabled you to plant this precious seed to see young men who have been the beloved pupils faithfully preaching Christ among the heathen shall be my joy and my crown. Oh, may the first fruits of your seminary and Bible college and training among the people in pagan lands be the praise of the glory of divine grace. What was said of Edna Judson and the team could be said of you today. And um, what was said of these men as they went out and they would go out and what they would do would be very little, except enabled by Christ the same the day. And the same God that allowed them to see great things is the same God that's going to work inside of your life. Can you imagine this, Brother Josh, that the church is commissioning, is sending you out of this place, and that in times past we would never see you again. That we, when you get there, you wouldn't get the Skype and tell us that you made it. Or Jason wouldn't send us a message and say we picked you up. But you would be sent out to never be seen again. And that if that was our decision today, that your love for Jesus would cause you to do that. But our confidence in you would allow us to send you out and preach the gospel. That we believe as a church that your understanding of the gospel can plant a seed in a country that will grow up a great tree. And that many people will find refuge in there. How amazing is that, church, that we believe that his understanding in the gospel, that God can work in him to such a point that if we never saw him again, that we would trust that we would continue to go to our jobs and work. We'd still continue to train up our children and talk about this famous family, but we would never see them again. What a wonderful confidence we have placed in your family. And you should be encouraged by that, that this church would entrust you to be our representatives, to be deputized and be sent out to such an incredible place. First John verses 3, 1 and 2. Let's read this as the children of God. I read to you and Miss Elizabeth here. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall appear when we shall be like him. Two things were said there very clearly. One, we do not yet know what we will appear to be. Speaking of his second coming, that when we see him, we can't even fathom what we will become when we become like the image of Jesus. And we wait for that day, and I will stand there with you with Chilean men and brothers and sisters that you have led to the Lord. And we can't even imagine what heaven will be like when we see him. We can't even fathom that. But also what we see here is that as we look into the face of Jesus, it changes us. And we know that that has started in your life from the point of salvation. That as you look at him and you learn him from his word, and then as you're out there discipling people and you learn more about God, you are predestined and he is changing you into his image. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. But can I tell you, I can't even imagine what the Ewing family is going to look like in 20 years after staring at the face of Jesus through ministry and his word. So we have examples before us in our pastor 
Adoniram Judson, people in the Bible. But can I tell you, because God lives inside of you in the work of the Holy Spirit, that we can't even fathom what he wants to do in your life. And we just thank him that we get to be involved in this. But we can't even begin to guess what he will do as you keep your eyes focused on him and he will change you into his image. And then one day that dream will be realized when we will be once again together and we will see him face to face. I speak on behalf of the church and say that we believe in you to the point that we believe that you could represent us there. And if we never saw you again, we believe that you understand the gospel and you and your family can teach it to other people. But we believe that as you look into the face of Jesus, he will change you and that change will make a difference in a country. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for an opportunity to be here tonight, Lord, to even be in the room uh, with these uh, chosen servants. We thank you for their life and their testimony. And the cause that they're involved in. And I pray that you'll help them see as they are the children of God. And as they're beloved by the Father. And we don't even know, Lord, what's going to happen in the next 20 or 30 years in their life, Lord. As they continue to look at you through your word. Knowing that one day we will get to see you face to face. As we are shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters from every nation and every tribe in this world. Lord, I thank you as being part of this church that we get to send out such wonderful families. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we're going to ask the folks that are going to be giving a word of testimony. And if you have not been, you're not already said you wanted to, but you'd like to give it, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, come on up and uh, be ready. Just go ahead and take a seat here and we'll, you can give a word of testimony. This is part of the blessing just to tell them that we love them. One of the things I saw happen in Peru that really blessed me was though they had nothing at that time. They were making about $25 a month, you go to a birthday, and uh, they wouldn't have gifts to give the family, but the family, would, a person would sit there and hear for probably an hour. He would hear one after another say how much they loved him, and so it's just a sweet time. And I want to say this to the church, and I say this to, to Josh. Uh, C.T. Studd made this quote, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And it is a sacrifice for you as a church. And I think about that as you have small children. It's a sacrifice for uh, for my wife and I to have our children out and going and in the ministry. And I just want you to know, uh, I think what the, the young men, what our, our pastors have preached tonight has been fantastic. I know that uh, our God is good and able and his grace is strong and he will take care of Josh and Elizabeth. He'll also take care of you. And I also know, I also know that it is a... Uh, it is a, a, a tough thing uh, to go to the mission field. It's a tough thing for your kids to lose their friends. But what a privilege. We serve Jesus. And it will be worth it. It is worth it. It's a fantastic thing that God allows you to do. Now, y'all can have a seat. I mean, uh, but anyway, you do it any way you want. Y'all stand. I, I don't ever tell women what to do. I've been married 39 years. You do anything you want to do. But one of you ladies, start us up there. Go every other one. If you don't, well, don't go every other one. There's only three of them. I was going through some boxes yesterday down in my basement, and I found a box of old prayer cards, and I found one with a picture of Josh and his brother and his sister and mom and dad. So we've known y'all for a good while. I thought I should have brought it tonight and let some of y'all see that. But Josh and Elizabeth, we're so excited for you guys, and we just want you to know that we are going to be praying for you, and we love you guys. I just want to say I love y'all. I love your family. Um, I know that there are going to be some tough times coming up because there's going to be a language you got to learn. But guess what? 
we can talk when you get back. <laughs> and people might not understand. I don't know a lot of people that speak Spanish. But um, there are going to be some tough days. But you know what? God is good. And everything that happens in your lives is molding you and making you into what God wants you to be. And Hannah and Joseph, you know what? Brother Austin said, you know, it's going to be sad because you're going to be losing some of your friends, going away from them and all of that. And we know because our, our kids were your size when we went to the mission field. But you know what? Our kids were the best part of our ministry. They helped and they, they brought people into church that we never could have gotten into church. So Joseph and Hannah, you know what? God's got a big job for y'all too. And I know y'all are going to do a great job and you're going to come back and you're, you're going to miss your friends in Chile then. And it's going to, you're just, God is just so good. And he's going to give you friends here and friends there. And Josh, take care of that precious family. We love them. And we trust your leadership, your guidance, because we know that the Lord's leading you. And my favorite verse is 1 Samuel 12, 24. It says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. And I can't see because I don't have my glasses and I'm crying. <clears throat> for consider how great things he hath done for you. God's been so good to us. And I just pray that we're going to hear just wonderful, wonderful things about how the Lord's using you there. I think it's kind of a theme we have going today, but um, we're just so proud of you guys. And we're excited as senders to send you guys um, as representatives to Chile from us. But we are, we're, I think we're all a little tired of goodbyes. But uh, we know it's worth it, and um, we're going to miss you guys. Um, something I thought about all day when I was thinking about you, Elizabeth, was just how the things you've gone through the last couple of months and um, how we've prayed for you through those things and your whole family. I just feel like the Lord showed you that he lifted you up through those times, and he's going to take care of you through all of this. And, and I think um, we all know that as humans— you guys couldn't have gone, gotten through that. And I think that'll continue to show you how he's going to be there for you. And, and in your own power, you couldn't have done any of that. But I saw day by day as I saw the um, testimony you were to all of us, how the Lord really strengthened you. And it really encourages me for you guys and encourages me for all of the other missionaries going out that the Lord does miraculous things and helps you guys. And I'm praying for your whole family. I know. I know firsthand how hard it's going to be to see, you know, your siblings get on a plane and your daughter. And it's, it's a hard time. And, and we'll be in extra prayer for you guys during that time. Elizabeth, I just want you to know how much I love you, how grateful I am to be your friend, um, how we're for you here at the church, for your whole family. Um, thinking along the same lines as what Steph said, just seeing what the Lord has done in your life these last months you've been a great example to me of how how a godly woman would deal with a difficult circumstance in her life and i know that that is putting it so so mildly and i don't mean to make light of that situation of what the lord did with with your with your dad uh, you've been a wonderful example to me and i know that through all of that that the lord has grown you and your family and i'm so excited to see what the lord's going to be doing 
with you in Chile, um, how he's already grown you so much, not just through that, but just through uh, the whole time that we've had here with you. I'm so grateful that I get to know you as a friend. And in those difficult times that are going to come, we're only just any of us. We're just a, a phone call, an email, uh, Skype away. Just please reach out to us. We will uh, love to keep in talk, contact with you. We love you so much. Thank you. Elizabeth, I just wanted to say um, I think there's a lot of ties that bonded us together. Um, a lot of things that we both went through. And um, I said, get up here and try not to cry. Um, but the way that I've prayed for you over the last few months, I know that I'll be praying for you there as well. And uh, that I love you. And I'm looking forward to Skyping and everything else. Elizabeth, I just wanted to say thank you for letting me be part of your life and to get to know you and your kids. And um, I don't like saying goodbye, and it's sometimes hard to get to know people when you know you're going to say goodbye, but I know that you have gone past that and let each one of these people in, your, in this room be a part and to take a little piece of us with you, and we thank you for that. You know, it's uh, you get to know people by reputation when you work with a with a group as close as this church. But during the time you guys have been here, we've been able to move past just reputation and really get to know you personally. And we want to thank you for uh, letting us be a part of your lives and becoming friends. It's very difficult sometimes to get to know a lot of missionaries when you're not at the church all the time because their time's monopolized by the work they're doing and things of that nature, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but we do appreciate you guys opening up and letting us be a part of your lives and being friends. And thanks for letting the kids come over. We know we're going to miss them and the dogs are going to miss them too. So, but th thank you all so much. You guys have a wonderful trip. Josh, Elizabeth, Alicia and I, thank you for your friendship. And uh, it's kind of funny. We were laughing about it previous to this with a, uh, you know, Josh is one of those guys that, He's going to be your friend and not let you choose to be his friend. He's just going to he's going to be there every time you turn around like bubble gum. Even if you want wanted to scrape him off, it's really going to be difficult and eventually you'll give up. But um, it was every time like from the first day we came in here um, until now, he's just you turn around, he's there. And uh, it's a good thing now. We've we've since decided to be your friend. So um, but uh, but even with, uh, you know, that that hundred percent into being your friend was made it easy for for us to not be not be strangers or um, among strangers to be honest and uh and even something like foundations we had no idea what foundations was but it was hey you want to do foundations okay um what is that and uh, so we th you know between dragging your three kids down to panera somewhere between here and buckhead and uh and taking time out of your schedule we thank you for it and uh, be praying for you. I was trying to decide or figure out or remember if I had any kind of funny or embarrassing thing that I know about Josh, but I don't. I, mean, I just don't have anything. Um, I've got to know uh, Josh's uh, mom and dad for a long time and, and been able to um, uh, enjoy being a uh, part of the support of their ministry uh, at, at the church we used to be at. 
And uh, it's really neat to see a second generation who's not going to the mission field for the first time, but's been there, and uh, going to a uh, going to a new country, and how exciting that is. And this is really my favorite kind of service we have here at Vision. This is this is what the vision for Vision really was was this right here that we're doing. And so uh, I have a favorite set of verses that I like to to uh, use for a night like this, which is really a double benefit for me, brother, because I get to say something that doesn't involve an offering, which is a really a bonus. Second Thessalonians chapter one, the Bible says in verses 10 through 12, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. And that's what this is about, creating more admirers of Jesus, creating larger admiration for Jesus. And so anything that falls under the category of creating admiration for Jesus is part of the job description. You know, the stuff that's difficult, the stuff that's easy, the stuff that's a lot of fun, like preaching to a great big crowd, and then the stuff that's not so fun, like dealing with problems, it all goes in the job description because it creates admiration for Jesus. And that's what this is really all about. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day, wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. What a great promise. He's not only going to fulfill the work of his good pleasure, but he's going to add faith and power to the ministry. And that's his promise. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great assignment to go glorify God in Chile, to create admirers of him so that in that day, The testimony that we use in this day, which was believed, will create admiration for our God and glorify him. What a great assignment. God bless you real good. We love you guys. We'll be praying for you in Chile. There was a lady, a lady they asked in the Mexican uh, Revolution, they asked this lady who had lost like eight sons. It could have been six, could have been eight. I don't remember exactly. Sure. She lost six or eight sons, and they said to her, all of her sons were killed in the Mexican Revolution when they fought to get their freedom from Spain. And they said, do you have any regrets? And she said, I only have one regret. I didn't have more sons to give. And you and I as a church are serving the Lord Jesus. And we're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're lifting his name. And today, Jason Holt with his family, or I'm not sure his family went with him, but Jason and some of the young men drove an hour and a half away, and they started a new church. They named Vision Baptist Church, and uh, we have the privilege of being part of that. I'd like to talk to you as blood-bought saints. I'd like to remind you who you are. You belong to Jesus. We were saved. How many of you are saved? Say amen. Your life is not your own. And I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to Josh and Elizabeth tonight, but I want to talk to you, and I just want you to know, Vision's a very different church. There's no doubt about it. It's very different. The very idea that so many people would leave, they'd come and be a part of us. I was sitting watching Ed sing and being blessed by Ed. I love Ed. I'm proud of Ed, and I'm excited about what God's doing in his life, but we're on our third song leader, and we're only six years old, six and a half years old, and we'll soon get another one, Uh, and uh, maybe he'll be better looking. Say amen. Uh, and, uh, but I thank God for all these guys that God gives us and all the work. I want you to know it's for a great cause. It's because our Jesus is worthy of anything and everything we could ever do. Take your Bible, if you would, and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
in verse 23, it's always convenient that God's word is right there where uh, we are and what we're needing to do. As I was preparing what I'd speak tonight to say to Josh and Elizabeth, I thought, what better place than 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. I'd like to read the rest of the chapter, but we really don't have time. So let's look at me with me, if you would, at verse 23, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. And the apostle Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? Well, I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. And he continues to give a long list of the things that he did as he served the Lord Jesus. And I'd just like to remind all of you, everything I'm going to say to Josh ought to apply to you. It does apply to you, and it is your life, and it is the truth that ought to be there. But Josh, you really need to hear this tonight. And I'll be blunt honest, I prepared the message. I do not pick out people to preach to. But if it's your blessing service, I do. And so I did. And this might not be, in all honest truth, you might walk out here and say, my goodness, man, he burnt me in front of everybody. But I'm going to tell you things you already know yourself. And the first thing is that we are called to live a life of sacrifice. We are called to live a life of sacrifice. And Paul wanted to brag about being in the ministry. He didn't say, look how many churches I started. He didn't say, you know, I'm an apostle. He didn't say, hey, by the way, guys, uh, I'm like the greatest preacher alive. I've written a third of the New Testament myself. He didn't say that. He said, they think they're servants? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you. I am more. Now, let me list to you all my qualifications. I've been beat. I've been hungry. I've had everything in the world go wrong. My life has been, uh, my life has been in peril and peril. In fact, is, uh, if, if you read verse 26, it sounds like there's a whole lot of pearls in there. He said, in pearl of the, this and in pearl of that. Perils, that's a Tennessee hillbilly joke y'all didn't get. Come on, Joe Gibby, you got it, didn't you? You hick. All right, say amen with me, brother. All right, and so it was all about their suffering. It's suffering. It should never be a matter to you. It shouldn't important, be important to you if you're well cared for. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul said, I rejoice the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, I have learned, I had to work at it, I had to learn it, but I've learned no matter how it's going for me in whatsoever state I am, therewith I will be content. I know how to be a base. I know how to live when I ain't got any money. And I know how to live when I do have money. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be full. And I'm instructed to be hungry. How to abound and how to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It should not be about your getting, but your giving. I want to remind you of that. It shouldn't be about your getting, but your giving. False teachers were the big money people. False teachers are the ones that look for all the blessings. Paul was hungry and hurting, but the ministry was worth it. That's what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You are not seeking comfort, convenience, or even compassion, but a cross. That's the first thing. You were called to sacrifice. Can I remind all of you were called to sacrifice? Every one of you, when you came to follow Jesus, he said this. Hey, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Let's go die together. He said to every one of us, if you don't hate your, mo- hate your mother and your brother and your, everybody else in the whole world and just love me. You're not worthy of me. That's what he said. We are called to a life of sacrifice. Missionaries weren't called to it. All of us were. The second thing, in verse 30, your glory's in the Lord and the price you pay to serve him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 30, it says, if I must needs glory, if I have to say something and brag a little bit, let me brag on 
the things which concern mine infirmities. Let me brag about all the sufferings I've done. And that's what he does. When he, whenever Paul gets a chance to brag, he brags about how much he suffered. Do you, do you, would you look this way just a second? That is so opposite of prosperity gospel. That is so opposite of what you do. You know, when we brag, here's our bragging. We like to brag. Boy, God's been good to me. Answer my prayer. Got me that new car. God's been good to me. He's taken care of me. met my needs. God's been good to me, man. He healed me and I didn't die. God's been good to me. Took care of my babies. God's good to me. Well, Paul said, hey, I'll tell you something. God's good to me. I've been, I've had the devil beat out of me. I've been hungry. I've been stoned. I've been hungry. I've been fasting. I've been out in the middle of the ocean for 36 hours, night and a day. I'll just be honest with you. God's been good to me. I call on you to remember you're not going to Chile as a profession. It's not your means of taking care of your family. It's not your way of making money. It's you taking up your cross, you dying to yourself, you giving up your life, you serving Jesus. You're the glory in Jesus because he alone is worthy of your thoughts. You're not even, the, you're not even worthy of your own thoughts. Wasn't that a wild thought? You're not worthy of your own thoughts. He's worthy. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. It's Jesus. Your comfort, your needs, your wants are not worthy of your thoughts. It's going to be real easy. About the third night, you're alone in your new house down there, and there's Spanish being spoken everywhere, and it's either hot or it's cold or the wind's blowing, or maybe there's a little earthquake. Chile has earthquakes, and maybe something that's going on, you're going to be thinking, what in the world am I doing here? Well, see, you're not even supposed to be thinking about what you're doing. You're supposed to be thinking about what he's doing, and you're allowed to be a part of that. He is worthy. If you complain, you'll be doing the opposite of glorifying Jesus. You'll be complaining against him. And when you complain against him, you actually praise the devil. The devil will come in right there. As soon as you start complaining, the devil will come in and sit right beside you and say, man, I agree with you. God is not that good a guy. He mistreats people. Yeah, come on, say it again. He's not good and Jesus ain't good and the work ain't good. You come up with it. And the devil's right there saying, man, you and me on the same team. Come on, let's get in the complaining crowd. The praising crowd's Jesus' crowd. Say amen. The praising crowd's Jesus' crowd. The whining and complaining crowd, that's the devil's crowd. Do not even use your prayer request as a spiritual excuse to complain. Isn't that amazing? You know, when we complain, let me tell you how bad I got it. Y'all pray for me, you hear? And you know what? Paul says, hey, man, praise Jesus. If I got a glory, I think I'll glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities. Number three, there has to be something major that will make you suffer like Paul for people that did not even love him. Paul suffered. These people didn't love him. His church didn't love him. He spent and was spent for them. And the more abundantly he loved them, they didn't love him back. So I ask you three or four questions. Do you know the reality of of eternity? Is heaven real to you? you? Do you, as a church, really believe there's a heaven? Or do you honestly think when you got to Alpharetta, you made it? Is hell real to you? Some of you got things going wrong in your life and you can easily be thinking, boy... I must be there already. Paul knew that whatever happened here, it was just a momentary inconvenience compared to what was prepared for eternity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, he said, For all things are for your sakes. Paul said, I've suffered all this for you guys that I'm witnessing to, that I'm preaching to, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
Go prepared to pay the price. Go prepared to think in terms of eternity now. Go prepared to glorify God. Will you allow yourself to be embarrassed or ashamed by the gospel and its power? Do you believe that God can work? And this question you need to answer for yourself. All of us need to answer it. But I'm really specifically talking to Josh. Do you believe that God can work? Do you believe that God can work through you? Do you believe that God can work through you right now in Chile, right where you'll be? Do you believe God? Do you understand God's mercy? Do you love him enough to suffer for him and his cause? Do you believe that he wants to seek and save Chileans? Do you acknowledge that the focus or focal point is Jesus and not Josh? Strong question. The only way you'll make it, the only way you'll be able to stay there. Number four, the real battle is a mental, spiritual heart battle. I wish everybody would listen to this. This is where everybody in this room is fighting. This is where we all live. It's your attitude. Would you look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 with me? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I want to stop and just ask you just for a second to consider a couple of things of me. And I'm going to walk you way through this passage of Scripture. And I am going into overtime tonight. Fire me. But here it comes. Are you ready? You know who you're to rejoice in? Jesus. You're not to rejoice in your house. You're not to rejoice in your health. You're not to rejoice in your spouse. You're not to rejoice in getting your prayers answered. You're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Then look at verse 5, Josh. Let, by the way, Josh, when you get to the chili, rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice. I made it. We got our support. Boy, God came through big time. We showed them with prayer warriors. I put this out on Twitter the other day. I really think you ought to consider this. Just one of my dumb thoughts. It's amazing. We go to God and ask him for something in prayer. And when God answers a big prayer, we all think that guy's a real big prayer warrior. We never think God's a big God who answered a prayer. But we got it backwards, hadn't we? You know, rejoice in the Lord. Look what he says. Let your moderation be known unto all men. That means let your self-control, let your ability to trust, let your moderation... I mean, you need to slide through it. You need to say, hey, man, things are going bad. Things are going good. I ain't really sad and I ain't really happy. I'm just trusting Jesus and going forward. Let your moderation be known. Let your self-control be known. Let your ability to deal with junk be known because you're a man of God. Verse 6, don't you worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He said, hey, I don't want you to be worried. I want you to be thanking I don't want you to be worried. I want you to come to me in prayer and then thank me. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, there's no need to have a peace that passes understanding when everything's going right. Uh, today, today I heard about a lady, uh, one of the waitresses at Cracker Barrel won $50,000 in the lottery. She is probably experiencing a lot of peace. And that doesn't surprise me nor pass all understanding. If you had to be $50,000 right now, I would be very peaceful and happy. Amen. And, but you know what? When you got cancer and you can have peace, that's different. When you got muscular dystrophy and you can have peace, that's different. And when things go wrong and you have peace, that's different. And that'll be because God came through and God did something in your life. God came through. And then he said, and then he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, boy, Elizabeth, I wish you'd listen to this. Put on a truth filter. Put on a thinking filter. So many people got stinking, thinking, stinking attitudes. I happen to know you. 
So I'm just being honest with you. Watch. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, that means Bible true. Whatsoever things are honest, that means Bible honest. Whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, if there be any praise, that's what I want you to think about. You know, you're not supposed to think about I'm missing my mama. You say, well, that's true. I am missing her. Yeah, but it ain't lovely. It ain't true. Or or, Bible true. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to already hated your mama. Whoa. Whoa. You're supposed to hate your mama. You're supposed to take up your cross. You're supposed to say, I love Jesus. He's more important to me than anybody. Do you think that you deserve certain things and certain care? Are you outwardly focused or uh, outwardly focused and upward focused? Are you thinking of you and your family? Outward focused, upward focused, or inward focused? Me and my family. It's a spiritual battle. It's the attitude, Josh, that you will teach your family. There were many days in a country where, where basically a civil war was going on, where gunfire was heard in the streets and bombs went off, blew the windows out of my house. I'm not making this up. People with machine guns everywhere you looked. I'm telling you, it was a wild time, and I was scared to death. I was terrified. I'm just being honest with you. There wasn't a spiritual bone in my body. I went in my bathroom, and I said, God in heaven, I am scared to death. You have got to do something. And I would walk out in bed and say, honey, it's really getting scary. Are you scared? I said, no, I'm not scared. God's good, and he's going to take care of us. She'd say, really? I'd say, yeah. Excuse me, Lord, I'll be right back. I'm going to tell you I'm sorry I lied. But, you know, it's the attitude you portray. It's the attitude you get across to your family. I remember a night at uh, 10 o'clock at night, the phone rang. And a missionary's wife called me and she said, my husband's having a heart attack. And I was wondering if you could come get us and take us to the airport. And I thought, I don't go out at night. I am scared. They're policing with guns. They're terrorists with guns. And I don't go out after about 8 o'clock at night. I just make it a rule to be at my house. I didn't say that because I had to be brave. She said, you can find our house, can't you? I said, I think so. She said, would you mind coming and getting us to take us to the hospital? I thought, Lord, help me. Jesus, I do not want to drive down. There's policemen right down the hill on the left. There's like six of them. They all got machine guns. They're all set on the road. And I do not want to go down there. But I just didn't tell Betty that, and I didn't tell her that. I just said, God, mean you're going to fake this, buddy. I believe you. I'm trusting you. I sure hope you get me home tonight. I was cursing every other missionary in town for not answering their phone, too. I was teasing on the cursing part. Teasing on the cursing part. Are you leading your home spiritually, Josh? Are you making the big decisions, living out what you decided, kindly but firmly controlling the thoughts and attitudes of your family? When a missionary kid has a bad attitude, he got it from his mama. He got it from his daddy. When kids, when preachers' kids don't want to serve God, they heard that at home. Too many daddies are whiners. They're complainers. Too many Christians are whiners and complainers. No wonder our kids don't want to serve God. They listen to us. If I listened to you, I would jump off a bridge, kill myself. Living, living out what you decided. Josh, here's some direct things to you. I know that's pretty direct, wasn't it? Love your wife and your family. Stand up and be a spiritual leader. Control yourself and your walk with God so that you can be respected and followed. I'm going to tell Elizabeth to follow you in a minute, but there's no real, there's, she shouldn't follow you unless you're the man of God. So stand up. Put on your big boy britches. Be a man. Be firm enough to lead 
and gentle enough to make her want to follow. Do the ministry that God's given you. Elizabeth, love and respect your husband. Much of what he will be and can do will depend on your believing in the man of God and the man God gave you. I know that uh, I know I'm not much and I haven't done much, but I've been able to be in the ministry this long and much of it was because I have a wife that believed in me. I had a wife that always told me she thought I was going to do something, I was going to be somebody. We're still waiting on it to happen, but she's always told me that. I can remember preaching in my first little church that we started. I was a grand old age of 23 in about two months, 23 in one month. And I had a box that was my pulpit. It was just a, a display box, and we stood it up, and it was empty on the backside. It was just paneling made into a box. We didn't have any money. I had no mentor. I had nobody to help me. I had no church that was really helping me. I came out of a church, but the pastor didn't give a rip about me. Nobody else did. And uh, I would stand behind that pulpit and preach to three and four people besides Betty. More than one time I preached just to Betty and one man. Many times I preached to Betty and one man. And Betty told me one night, she said, I know the day's coming you'll preach behind big pulpits in fancy churches and hundreds will hear you. I never forgot that. And I can remember when God opened some doors and I was in Iquitos preaching to about three or 4,000 out on a little stand. I thought, <laughs> Betty thought this had happened. I can remember preaching. I can remember preaching at a church in Ohio that, man, the pulpit, just fantastic. They got air conditioners that blow straight on the preacher. It's the only place I've ever preached, and I was cold. I mean, I'm standing there thinking, Lord, help me. They need to turn the AC down. There was one vent pointing over there, and they both pointing straight at me. And I was preaching, and I kept my hands in my pockets. It was that. And I thought, my wife thought this day would happen. Elizabeth, believe in your husband. He needs to know that. Follow your husband. Remember that you were made to be his helpmate. And help him accomplish the work God gave him. You were made to be his helpmate. Ladies, that'd be a new concept, wouldn't it? You're not the head of the home. That'd be another message for another day. I am thinking about going to Genesis next, so you will hear it. Let her say, be careful to keep your heart and mind clear. Do not allow bitterness to reside in you. Keep your heart and mind clear. Keep your thoughts under control and your attitude full of faith and looking up. Think of others, not yourself, so you can do the ministry you're called to do with your husband. You know, it's, it is honestly, the fact that God would allow me to stand in this pulpit and preach is something I far do, I do not deserve. Everything I've ever had happen to me in every ministry opportunity has been something God has allowed because God is gracious and God is good. You need to remember that. You need to help your husband with that. You need to believe in him. You get your mind out of yourself. It's so easy to think, well, they didn't do this for me, and they didn't think about this for me, and other missionaries are getting this, and other things are happening like this, and, and the other guys are worried about them, and people pray for them, and it's so easy to think like that. It's so wrong. Keep it out. Just a reminder for both of you. I want you to know I love you both, and I believe in you. I am praying that God will greatly use you. Vision loves you and wants to be behind you, and I think they've showed you that tonight. Bring glory to God as you go to the field. Remember this. It's not about bringing glory to vision. We stink. It's all Jesus. It's not about bringing glory to your mission agency. It stinks. Everything stinks. Only one person smells good, and his name is God. Amen. The rest of us are way down here in the nothing. 
But man, you're going in the name of Jesus. You're going to hold the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. Bring glory to God. That's who you're going to serve. Be givers and not takers. Be givers and not takers. Be servants and not the served. Give your life to do as God called you to do. I challenge you. You're stepping out. And 2 Corinthians 11, such a beautiful passage. Think about this. When Paul had an opportunity to say, Hey guys, check me out. I am the man. His bragging rights were these. His bragging rights were these. I have loved Jesus enough to pay the price. And by the way, his face would have had a smile on it. He would have had a spring in his step. He would have had joy. He would have said, count it all joy. He would have been a happy guy. He's not your whiny, pouty preacher. He's excited about serving Jesus. It wasn't about, boy, look what I've done. I've hurt. When he said it, he was like, glory to God. Man, I've been blessed. I love it when he stands up and says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And if you'd have said something to me and said, what's that scar? He'd have said, huh, that's when I was preaching in Thessalonica. Well, what about that? Well, that's when I was over at Lydia's place. And what about that? Well, that's when I was over in Damascus. And what about that? And all, Man, I was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was excited. He wore them like badges of honor, what he suffered for Christ. Don't leave here whining tonight. You're not doing anything but being blessed by the great God of heaven. What a privilege that he would let you go. What a privilege he'd let you preach. What a privilege he'd let you see people saved. I guess the last thing, and I know I've gone way over time. The church is going to kill me, but let me just say this. You're going to meet some guys in, in Chile. You're going to meet a guy named Nicolás. You've already met him probably. And Nicolás was a liquor salesman. His wife was, his, 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 his marriage was falling apart. He was a nothing, nobody, straight, headed straight to hell. And you're going to find he's a big old jovial guy, loves to laugh and loves to cut up, and is the sweetest guy you've ever met. And all that made a difference was this. Jason Holt told him about Jesus. He used to drive a liquor truck. He used to be a drunkard, and he used to have a marriage falling apart. Now he's got a little church, and his mom and his his father-in-law and his mother-in-law love him and respect him. They hated him before the whole family goes to church, and he's their pastor. Who in the world gets a privilege like that? Just a servant of the great God of heaven. You're going to get to know Christian Alarcón. I don't know a sweeter man in, my, in the world than Christian Alarcón. Christian didn't know Jesus until somebody took the gospel to him. You get to have a part of that. Please thank God for the privilege you have. Some of these people in this room are probably thinking, I'm glad you're going. I'm thinking, I wish I was me and you could stay here. Because honestly... You're going to see God do great things. Father in heaven, I love you, and I praise you, and I magnify you, and I pray that tonight your name would be glorified, and I pray you'd bless Josh and Elizabeth and the kids, and I pray that you'd show your great power, and I pray you'd just do a work tonight that glorifies you. I love you, and I thank you for all you have done and all you are doing. In your precious name, amen. Well, thank you all very much. What we're going to do is uh, I need a chair over here. If I can get one of you guys to get me a chair over here and a chair over here. And Josh, we'll let you come over here on the man's side since it's further to walk. Let the lady stay over there. Yeah, you guys get another chair. And Elizabeth, if you come sit in that chair. And then I'd like to ask the, I'd like to ask the uh, men, uh, I'd like to ask the men to come over here and stand uh, behind uh, Josh. You'll be sitting here. Uh, sit, keep it in, uh, in the open spot where there's plenty of room. 
All the men that would like to pray over Josh, if you'd come real quickly, we're going to have a word of prayer over them. All the ladies that would like to pray over Elizabeth, if you'd come, and we're going to pray over Elizabeth, and we're going to ask God to bless them as they prepare to leave. And it is the prayers of God's people that God, God looks for us to pray. God wants us to magnify Him. He wants us to know tonight that we're offering up a sacrifice. We're offering up a sacrifice. At the same time, it's a wonderful privilege that we get to do that. And so we're going to have a word of prayer. And uh, Sam Paxson, you can lead in prayer over here. I don't think I've ever asked you to do that. We were doing this, but you lead in prayer. Oh, on this side, if you would. And uh, all right, Hannah, you can lead in prayer on this side. Don't be a missionary's wife. Might as well man up. Amen. All right. So uh, you can warm it up, though. You don't have to man up. It'll be all right. So we'll start with Hannah if you'll lead in prayer first. And then, Sam, if you'll pray, and then I'll close this in prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we come to you tonight, and we're just lifting up uh, Josh and Elizabeth and you and family. Um, we surely are going to miss them. As everyone's already said, it's one of the hardest parts about being about being at Vision. Um, but we surely do love it, and we love getting to know them and um, getting to be some of their close friends so that when they go over to the mission field, we can be here for them. And we just um, thank you for the opportunity that we've gotten to know them more, their sweet family, their sweet smiles. Um, they're just such a loving family, and we love them, and we surely are going to miss them. Please just help us not to forget them as they do go over. Help us to be an encouragement to them. I'm sure there's going to be days that are going to be hard on them, and we're going to need to be here for them and just um, put them on our heart on, during those days when they need a phone call or a letter or a Facebook post or something. And I just ask you to help us to be here. I ask you to um, strengthen them as they're getting ready to leave. Um, I know they're waiting on visas. I just ask that you would bring those in and help those to come in on time so that they can um, leave with their tickets and everything that they need. Um, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity to get to know them and strengthen them as they go. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for all that you do. Lord, thank you for Josh and Elizabeth. We love them very much. We also know that you love them. Lord, they're embarking on this journey to Chile, uprooting their families, going across the waters. And it's just a big change in their lives. And we know that you have a plan for them. They don't really know what that plan is right now, but we know you have big things in store for them. They're a sweet couple, Lord. Bless them, their children. Keep them safe just to indwell the Spirit in them and through them so they can glorify your name when they get over there. And let them do the work that you'd have them to do, Lord. Lord, we know that they love you. We know that Josh is a man of God. And Lord, on behalf of all of us here, we just wanted you to know that all that we do, we do in your honor and your glory. And I know that Josh is going to go and do things in your glory and in your honor and your credit. And we give you all the glory for it in your wonderful name. Amen. Father in heaven, we love you. We recognize that you and you alone are worthy, worthy and you and you alone are worth anything. I fully realize, God, that our church and their mission agency, we're not the one that ought to get glory, but you are. I just pray, God, that you would use Josh and Elizabeth and the children to bring glory to your name. God, I ask you for those first ones that will be saved, God. 
I pray, God, you'd let Josh find a man and lead him to Christ as soon as he can talk. God, I pray you'd help Josh to be discipling people. I pray you'd help Elizabeth to be able to be an influence over ladies for your honor and glory. God, I pray these children would be greatly used of you to bring more and more people to church, see people saved. God, go with them. And God, I pray your blessings on vision. Lord, some of our people uh, still don't understand and they hurt. And I love them, Lord, and I don't want to see them hurt. So, Holy Spirit, I'd ask you to just bless them tonight. Give them some strength and help them to understand and help them to look to you. And help them to magnify you. Help them to glorify you. Help them that your name would be magnified in their lives too. Thank you for vision. Thank you for a wonderful sending church. Thank you for a group of senders. Thank you for people that love you. Thank you for people that give. Thank you for people that will love our missionaries. God, I pray your name will be glorified here as we stay and with them as they go. And I'll give you all the glory for all you do in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.